Hello, and welcome to First Person Drunk. Today on First Person Drunk, we have Danny's Own Story by Don Marquis, Chapter 18. Uh, now, I've said it before, and I'm sure I'll say it again. Danny's Own Story is a work of turn-of-the-century American literature, turn-of-the-20th century, that is, turn-of-the-19th century into the 20th century, that is, and as such, it uh, does use some language that is uh, not so acceptable by today's standards. Just bear in mind, it is from an earlier time, and it is a work that is intended as satire. Bear those things in mind, but if you want to bring up any points or have a discussion about it, feel free to join us on our Facebook page for First Person Drunk. Just do either a Google search for First Person Drunk or a search on Facebook for it, and you will find the page there. That being said, please enjoy First Person Drunk, Danny's Own Story, Chapter 18, brought to you, as always, by me, Miles Tabor, by The Public Domain, and by Delicious Whiskey. Any errors in the following text are the fault of one of those three things. Well... We had pork and greens for dinner that day, with the best cornbread I ever eat anywheres, and buttermilk and sweet potato pie. We got them at the house of a fella named Withers, old Daddy Withers, which if they was ever a nicer old man than him, or a nicer old woman than his wife, I never run across them yet. They lived all alone, them Witherses, with only a couple of niggers to help them run their farm. After we eats our dinner, and Sam gets his and out to the kitchen, we sets out in front of the house and gets to talking with them, and gets real well acquainted, which we soon found out the secret of old Daddy Withers's life, that their innocent-looking old jigger was a poet. He was kind of proud of it, and kind of ashamed of it both to once. The way it come out was when the doctor says one of them quotations he is always getting off, and the old man looks pleased, and says the rest of the piece it dropped out of straight through. Then they had a great time quoting it at each other, them two, and I seen the doctor is good to loaf around there the rest of the day, like as not. Pretty soon the old lady begins to get mighty proud looking over something or other, and she leans over and whispers to the old man, Shall I bring it out, Lemuel? The old man, he shakes his head no. But she slips into the house anyhow, and fetches out a little book with a pale green cover to it, and hands it to the doctor. Bless my soul, says Dr. Kirby, looking at the old man. You don't mean to say you write verse yourself. The old man, he gets red all over his face, and up into the roots of his white hair, and down into his white beard, and makes believe he is a little mad at the old lady for showing him off that way. Mother, he says, you shouldn't have done that. They'd had a boy years before, and he had died, but he always called her mother the same as if the boy was living. He goes into the house and gets his pipe and brings it out and lights it, acting like that book of poetry was a mighty small matter to him. But he looks at Dr. Kirby out of the corner of his eyes and can't keep from getting sort of eager and trembly with his pipe. And I could see he was really anxious over what the doctor was thinking of them poems he wrote. 
The doctor reads some of them out loud. Well, it was kind of homemade poetry, old Daddy Withers's was. It wasn't like no other poetry I ever struck, and I could tell the doctor was thinking the same about it. It sounded somehow like it hadn't been jaunted together right. You would keep listening for it to rhyme, and get all worked up watching and waiting for it to, and make bets with yourself whether it would rhyme or it wouldn't, and then it generally wouldn't. I never hear in such poetry to get a person's expectances all worked up and then go back on them. But if you could have told what it was all about, you wouldn't have minded that so much. Now, not that you can tell what most poetry is about, but you don't care so long as it keeps hopping along lively. What you want in poetry to make her sound good, according to my way of thinking, is to make her jump lively and then stop with a bang on the rhymes. But Daddy Withers was so independent-like, he would just naturally try to force two words to rhyme, whether the Lord made them for mates or not. Like as if you would try to make a couple of kids kiss and make up by bumping their heads together. They just simply won't do it. But Dr. Kirby, he led on like he thought it was fine poetry. And he read them pieces over and over again out loud, and the old man and the old woman was both mighty tickled with the way he done it. He wouldn't have had him know for anything. He didn't believe it was the finest poetry ever wrote, Dr. Kirby wouldn't. There was four little books of it altogether, slim books that looked as if they hadn't had enough to eat, like a stray cat whose ribs is rubbing together. It had cost Daddy Withers $500 a piece to get him published. A fellow in Boston charged him that much, he said. It seems he would go along for years, raking and scraping of his money together so as to get enough ahead to get out another book. Each time he had his hopes, the big newspapers would maybe pay some attention to it, and he would get recognized. But they never did, said the old man, kind of sad. It always fell flat. Why, father, the old lady begins, and finishes by running back into the house again. She is out in a minute with a clipping from a newspaper and hands it over to Dr. Kirby as proud as a kid with copper-toed boots. The doctor reads it all the way through, and then he hands it back without saying a word. The old lady goes away to fiddle around about the housework pretty soon, and the old man looks at the doctor and says, Well, you see, don't you? Yes, says the doctor, very gentle. I wouldn't have her know for the world, says Daddy Withers. I know, and you know. That newspaper piece is just simply poking fun at my poetry and making a fool of me the whole way through. As soon as I read it over careful, I saw it wasn't really praise, though there was a minute or two I thought my recognition had come. But she don't know it ain't serious from start to finish. She was almighty pleased when that piece come out in print, and I don't intend she ever shall know it ain't real praise. His wife was so proud when that piece come out in that New York paper, he said, she cried over it. She said now she was glad they had been doing without things for years and years, so they could get them little books printed one after the other, for now fame was coming. But sometimes, Daddy Withers says, 
He suspicions she really knows he has been made a fool of, and is pretending not to see it for his sake, the same as he is pretending for her sake. Well, they was a mighty nice old couple, and the doctor done a heap of pretending for both their sakes. There wasn't nothing else to do. How'd you come to get started at it? he asked. Daddy Withers says he don't rightly know. Maybe, he says. It was living there all his life and watching things growing. Watching the cotton grow and the corn and getting acquainted with birds and animals and trees and things. Helping of things he to grow, he says, is a good way to understand how God must feel about humans. For what you plant and help to grow, he says, you are sure to get to caring a heap about. You can't help it. And that is the reason, he says, God can be depended on to pull the human race through in the end, even if appearances do look to be again his doing it sometime. For he started it to growing in the first place, and that away he got interested personal in it. And that is the main idea, he says. He has all the time been trying to get into that there poetry of his. But he reckons he ain't got her in. Least a ways, he says, no one has ever seen her there but the doctor and the old lady and himself. Well, for my part, I never would have seen her there myself. But when he said it out plain like that, anyone could have told what he meant. You hadn't ought to lay things up again, folks, if the folks can't help them. And I will say Daddy Withers was a fine old boy in spite of his poetry, which it never really done any harm, except being expensive to him. And lots will drink that much up and never figure it in an, an expense, but one of the necessities of life. We went all over his place with him, and we noticed around his house a lot of tin cans tacked up to posts and trees. They was for the birds to drink out of, and all the birds around there had found out about it, and about Daddy Withers, and wasn't scared of him at all. He could get acquainted with animals, too, so that after a long spell, sometimes they would even let him handle them. But not if anyone was around. There was a crow he had made a pet of, used to hop around in front of him, and try for to talk to him. If he went to sleep in the front yard whilst he was reading, that crow had a favorite trick of stealing his spectacles off on his nose and flying up to the ridgepole of the house and cawing at him. Once he had been setting out a row of tomato plants, very careful, and he got to the end of the row and turned around and that there crow had been hopping along behind, very solemn, pulling up each plant as he set it out. It acted like it had done something mighty smart and noted that crow. So after that, the old man named him Satan, for he said it was Satan's trick to keep things from growing. They was some blue and white pigeons wasn't scared to come and set on his shoulders, but you could see the old man really liked that crow Satan better than any of them. Well, we hung around all afternoon listening to the old man talk and liking him better and better. First thing we knowed, it was getting along toward supper time. And nothing would do, but we must stay to supper, too. We was pinted toward a place on the railroad called Smithtown. But when we found we couldn't get a train from there till ten o'clock that night anyhow, and it was only three miles away, we said we'd stay. 
After supper, we calculated we'd better move. But the old man wouldn't hear of us walking there three miles, so about eight o'clock he hitched up a mule to a one-horse wagon, and we jogged along. There was a yellow moon sneaking up over the edge of the world when we started. It was so low down in the sky yet that it threw long shadows on the road, and they was thick and black ones too. Because there was a lot of trees alongside the road, and the road was narrow, we went ahead mostly through the darkness, with here and there patches of moonlight splashed onto the ground. Dr. Kirby and Old Man Withers was sitting on the seat, still gassing away about books and things, and I was sitting on the suitcase in the wagon box right behind him. Sam, he was sometimes in the back of the wagon. He had been more than half asleep all afternoon, but now it was night, he was waked up, the way niggers and cats will do, and every once in a while he would get out behind and cut a few capers in a moonlight patch just for the enjoyment of it and then run and catch up with the wagon and crawl in again, for it was going pretty slow. The ground was sandy in spots, and I guess we made a pretty good load for Beck, the old mule. She stopped, going up a little slope, after we had went about a mile from the Withers's. Sam says he'll get out and walk, for the wheels was in pretty deep, and it was hard going. Get up, Beck! says the old man. But Beck, she won't. She don't stand like she is stuck, neither, but like she senses danger somewheres about. A horse might go ahead into danger, but a mule is more careful of itself and never goes butting in unless it feels sure there is a way out. Get up, says the old man again. But just then the shadows on both sides of the road comes to life. They wakes up and moves all about us. It was done so sudden and quiet it was half a minute before I seen it wasn't shadows, but about thirty men had gathered all about us on every side. They had guns. Who are you? What do you want? asked the old man, startled, as three or four took care of the mule's head very quick and quiet. Don't be scared, Daddy Withers, says a drawly voice out of the dark. We ain't going to hurt you. We got a little matter o' business to tend to with them two fellas yo totin' to town. Thank you for listening to the First Person Drunk podcast. You have just heard Danny's Own Story by Don Marquis, Chapter 18. And it was brought to you, as always, by me, Miles Tabor, by The Public Domain, and by Delicious Whiskey.